BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning, Roto Experts. To the end zone, it's the mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown. We're here to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts in the morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Princeton, Scott, is there any reason why, like, for us to assume that this will continue, or was this just an aberration? I mean, the Dolphins now up front have been gashed left and right. Remember last week, it was uh, on Johnson running for like 158 yards. This week, it's Lamar Miller running for 133. Was this more Houston offensive line or bad defense in Miami? I think it was a combination of both, really. You know, like you said, on Johnson ripped them up last week. If I could sell on Lamar Miller after this game, I probably mm. would because he's shown that he could still have a big, big game here and there, but I can't trust him for any sort of consistency here, and I'm just I'm still skeptical. It's been too long of a run of mediocrity for me to be convinced that back-to-back 100-yard games that all of a sudden Lamar Miller has reemerged. I'm hopeful, and look, it's you know running back is a position right now where – you know, maybe if you have a guy like this, you feel like you got to hold on to him. But I, I just find it hard to believe that this is something that we can keep up consistency. In. Uh, and but Deshaun Watson, if they're going to give him, continue to give him a clean pocket, he'll 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 continue to play really well. But you know, I don't think this is a mirage when you're talking about this team has won five in a row and yeah. they won four in a row uh, even before Deshaun Watson was playing like this, and they won three in a row even before Lamar Miller was playing like this. So they're well coached and they're just they're playing well right now as a team. Yeah, absolutely. I will I will uh give it to them. You know, your your Super Bowl pick 
looks uh, looks back in the fray, I will say. You know, kind of the same as my Super Bowl pick, uh, Scotty, the San Diego, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Super Chargers. Uh, however, we must say that, unfortunately, it's not all good news for the Houston Texans. Uh, you saw Will Fuller leave the game, go into the tent this morning. Adam Schefter and others are reporting that, you know, I mean, it's not settled just yet. He's going to have an MRI, but a lot of people are fearing the worst. It looks like uh, there's some buzz that it could be an ACL and the end of the season for Will Fuller. What would that mean? Uh, especially for, let's say, a guy like Kiki Cutie, who might have been dropped because, you know, he missed the game this week with a hammy. Yeah, you know, you try not to, you know, drop those kind of players while they're injured, but, you know, QT has, like, been up and down. And, you know, he's more of a guy that you, sac- you can sacrifice when he's hurt. You know, I've got questions about should I drop Allen Robinson. That's not a guy you drop when he's hurt. Right. But, uh, you know, QT could bounce back here, but a hamstring injury could linger, you know, and that's a problem. So uh, I think you have to wait and see what's going to happen with QT between now and, and you know, the waiver the waiver days next week. But, you know, with Will Fuller out, you know, it's it's something that we've seen before. It's unfortunate. It's always something with him. Yeah, it does. You know, I mean, the skill, the speed is obviously there. The the big touchdown, right, was was very beautiful. The seventy three yards, you saw how they have a beautiful design on the play, right? Uh, they have the safety biting on D Hop on the in cut. Obviously, you want to pay attention to them, but then a guy like Fuller can easily sneak behind. Let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins a little bit, Scott. I mean, uh, Aikman made the point on the. Uh, on the telecast, and I've always been a D Hop fan, usually because you know I have shares of. Can the argument be made, or in fact, I'm going to make the argument, Scott. I'm going to make the argument that DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL, and here's why I'm going to make that argument. And 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 Aikman said this: when you look at all the other studs in the NFL, you know the Julio Joneses, the Odell Beckhams, the Antonio Browns, you know the AJ Greens, the top names you know, they have all pretty much, had very consistent quarterback play throughout their career. You know, A.B. has been able to build his chemistry with Big Ben, Julio with Matt Ryan, Keenan Allen with Phillip Rivers, A.J. Green with Andy Dalton, Odell Beckham with Eli Manning. With, with, with D-Hop, on the other hand, this guy has had a merry-go-round of quarterbacks, and none of them have really been that good. We're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brandon Whedon, T.J. Yates, you know, I mean, Brock Osweiler. Like, I'm thinking, and you know, Brian Hoyer may be the best quarterback that DeAndre Hopkins has had. He's had something like nine in his career, and yet he's still year in, year out. You know, makes plays, produces, is durable, is not a diva like many other wide receivers. And quite frankly, you can count on him for the absolutely ridiculous catch. There was one that didn't count last night that he snagged with one hand and his left leg. But, Scott, what do you think about my, my new thesis that D-Hop is the best receiver in the NFL mostly because he can do it with any quarterback where these other elite wide receivers has really had stability and a constant as their quarterback? I'll say two. Th- I'll say that you know you make a good case. You know, it's very hard to argue against the quarterback play that he's had to deal with. Uh, I won't count Keenan Allen and you know those elite wide receivers. I think Fine. he's a he's a notch below. Uh, you know, and, and it's tumbling. Just a another little, example little though, for the same quarterback. Now. You know what I mean? It's the same quarterback. Yeah. That's that's kind of the point I'm really making here. You know? I know what point you're making. I just say okay. I don't think he's an elite wide receiver. He's not one of the best of the game. 
I, he's very good, but I don't think sure. he's one of, one of the best. Devontae uh, Adams has had Aaron Rodgers, though. You know, same kind of thing, though. Yeah, well, a lot of guys have had Aaron Rodgers, so I don't put Devontae Adams in that conversation. Adam Thielen is a guy that's, like, the best maybe right now, but doesn't have the track record of DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown, so he hasn't earned yet to be in that conversation. Right. Uh, the one thing I will say for Antonio Brown, though, is is that Antonio Brown changed the scope of the game at wide receiver. Before Antonio Brown broke out, everybody was talking about the big wide receiver, the Calvin Johnson type. Sure. And here Andre comes Antonio Johnson. Brown, and he's under six feet, he's under 200 right. pounds, and completely changed the game for receivers like his t- You know, he was he was a groundbreaker, and... You know, that's hard to argue against, too. Sure. Um, I think that's true. And then you see guys that are in that mold becoming, um, you know, kind of top-end wide receivers. One of the names that comes to mind for me is Stefan Diggs, Um, kind of in that same uh, mold, let's say, as an Antonio Brown. But you're absolutely right. I just think that that there's there's the quarterback play, please. And and to a lesser extent, the fact that he's not this kind of out-front diva like an Odell Beckham, you know. He's kind of a quieter guy, D-hop, kind of like an A.J. Green, yeah, let's say. Yeah, you said that. that the, like, it makes you like him more, but that doesn't yeah. have an effect on whether he's better or not. No, I understand. Else. I'm just talking yeah. about, like, him being out there more um, is the, the perception of him as this big uh, stud. You know, you just – let. The, lead, the, the the layman fan, you know, the casual fan may not know as much about a guy like D-Hop and our guy Bavona talks about also this idea of, like, uh, his coachability. I just, I'm just a big fan of D-Hop, and I think he needs to right. get the recognition as one of the best, absolute best wide receivers in the NFL. And I really think that the fact that he has been toiling under less than ideal conditions because of the quarterback play for his entire career is, uh, you know, just another notch on his belt, whether he's number one, number two, number three, whatever. Whatever the case may be, you know, we're splitting hairs here when we're talking about this elite level as the absolute best of the best. Let's go to the Miami side real quick, Scotty. Um, Devontae Parker. <laughs> so he has six catches, 134 yards, including what looked like the immaculate reception, Scotty. Did you see that play? That was crazy. Uh, on, the, on a pass like to Jakeem Grant that gets knocked out and like flies forward for another like 25 yards into the hand of Devontae Parker for a 46-yard gain. But he has six catches, 134 yards. Um, Scotty, is his agent pretty much vindicated that he should be out there? Um, and or and my second question is, does this really um, does this change the trade market for Devontae Parker? I don't know. I don't know. Look, his agent is right that he should be out there because there was really Clearly, nothing right? out there without him. But you know, you're talking about four years of next to nothing, and in one good game, I don't think we should overreact. You know, it, uh, you know, we I've I've seen so many receivers have one good game and then they just you know they revert just to back do nothing. So I, I don't, you know, and even guys with high pedigrees. So I think, I think it was nice to see. And if you had to use them at a desperation fantasy, it was, it was a good, you know, good start to your week. But uh, I think he's got a, I think he's got a lot more to prove here. Uh, you know, it was certainly about staying healthy, etc. You know, we've seen him tease before and then, and then go away. So I don't know how much excited I can get over one night. All right, but let me ask you this. You know, 
Amari Cooper was just dealt, right? And uh, what we said with Amari Cooper was like, oh, a change of scenery might be good. The kid is still young. He's still only 24 years old. Let's give him another chance in another scenario, that sort of thing. I would say, why couldn't the same logic apply to Devontae Parker? You're absolutely right. He's been a ghost at times, Fugazi for sure. But, I mean, the skill set is kind of there. We've seen it. I know he's had injury concerns. And like Amari Cooper just went for a first-round pick. So, you know, we're, we're, we're hearing buzz and reports about a guy like, let's say, Demarius Thomas as well. Honestly, if I had a choice to trade for a 30- or 31-year-old Demarius Thomas and a twenty a guy in his mid-20s that I could try to, you know, kind of reclaim with a change of scenery, and I think it might cost a, I don't know, third-round pick for a guy like Demarius Thomas and a fifth-round pick for a guy like Devontae Parker— I mean, I, I, I've I, got to believe that there's one team out there that could think, like we've talked about, say, the Washington football team uh, and others when we were looking at Demarius Thomas, but like all it takes is one. All it takes is one team that'll be like, yeah, we could change him. You don't think there's a market for him at all? I understand his inconsistency. I think there's path. a market for him. I'm just saying I'm not getting excited about him in Miami after one yeah. game. Yeah, you, you're right. You know, maybe he can get traded somewhere else. Maybe Dallas will give up a second-round pick for him. Right. You know, he can, he I'm thinking go, Washington, uh, maybe. He can, he, can, he can go play with Amari Cooper over there. And, uh, right. You know, <laughs> the, 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 the Cowboys are totally revamped. And, you know, because he's been playing with Brock Osweiler and Ryan Tannehill, you do have to take that into account. Yeah. If he goes to a team with a better quarterback situation, like let, let's just say all of a sudden we're just having fun with this. We have, sure. you know, Green Bay decides, you know, they, they, they uh, you know, want to take a chance on him. Uh, you know, imagine him going into a situation like that. You know, it's, uh, you know, say Seattle. Too many Devontes. Too many Devontes for one wide receiver group. That's true. That's true. (laughs) You know, say Seattle, you know, wants to take a shot on him and, you know, improve their wide receiver depth or something like that. You know, those are situations. But then if Arizona wants to trade for him, you know, then it's not a good outlook. Yeah, I hear that. Danny Depends on where he goes. Sure, if he goes, to be quite honest. We'll see. But listen, when you have your agent literally saying that the head coach doesn't know what he's doing, you know, I think those are the conditions for a guy maybe not being with that team for too much longer, you know. It's very odd that the agent was publicly criticizing the head coach. So uh, we'll see how that develops. I also want to add two more things on this game real quick before we go to a break. And when we come on back, we're going to have Dr. A from Inside Injuries talking about all the uh, guys that may have questionable tags, little red dots next to their name. And then we'll, of course, make our picks against the spread and with some totals as we've been keeping track on how we're doing on that. We'll make our survivor pick a little bit later on in the show. Also want to let people know, remember, don't forget, go on over to rotoexperts.com, get the exclusive edge in-season fantasy football package. Use promo code THEKING at checkout. Danny Amendola, listen, we were giving him props on the waiver wire on Tuesday, Scott. We were saying with all the other injuries that he might be viable. Five catches, 43 yards, and he throws a 28-yard touchdown pass. So uh, he's been valuable, or he was valuable last night. You think he keeps that role, um, you know, I think he had the most targets last night. He's that chain mover now for the Dolphins. Yeah, and he had one really beautiful catch last night. Oh, yeah, where he got upended. The yardage wasn't there, but, you know, this guy's more of like a low-end wide receiver four, I think, and a bi-week plug-in more than anything while while he can stay healthy. That's the kind of play that Amendola usually gets injured on. But that's why, you know, Amendola is both admirable and injury-prone. Because, you know, he doesn't care. He'll sacrifice his body. He's made big catches in the postseason before. 
uh, you know, for the Patriots. We've seen that. He's been injury-prone throughout his whole career. So he's he's good for depth and, you know, it was a nice bonus uh, fantasy-wise. Obviously, you can't count on that, you know, but uh, it was a nice bonus. To, in the end, you know, don't complain about his receiving yard total. You still ended up with a good total last night because it's not a guy that you're going to start every week. Sure, he threw you a touchdown pass, for goodness sakes. You got you to like that as well. It helps with your points there. Last point I'm going to make on this game, and we're going to be going to break in a hot second. Um, and it's not where you think I'm going to go, Scotty. I, I hope I don't catch you off guard here. We talk all the time about how, you know, Deshaun Watson gets sacked a lot. We talk about how that offensive line hurts the run game, how they had nothing to speak of. Before, we thought those were the great conditions, Scotty, to get a kicker. Right? And we talked about Fairburn, right? But now all of a sudden the offensive line is moving. They're moving the ball. They're dangerous. Lamar Miller's working. They get six touchdowns, all extra points, no field goals for Fairburn. Uh, if this offensive line looks good, does that mean we drop him down as a kicker? See, we got to talk about that when we come back, uh, maybe after right. Dr. A. All right, we'll talk about that as well. Dr. A from Inside Injuries when we come back. It makes me think that Scott thinks that I have a point. We'll get into that a little bit later. It's Roto Experts in the Morning, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Coming right back. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only place to go for 24-7 fantasy sports advice. Once you download the FNTSY Sports Radio app, you'll get the most accurate experts and most entertaining programming in the fantasy sports world. Listen to great shows like Fantasy Football Frenzy. There you go right there, Goon Squad. Game Time Decisions. Good teams win, great teams cover. Fantasy Freestyle. You know what it is. And plenty more. Boom! Download the FNTSY Sports Radio app on your iPhone and Android devices now and take the best fantasy sports talk Fantasy Football Frenzy. I'm not a big fan of making a trade just to cover a bye week. Bye weeks. You get 13 regular season weeks of fantasy football. Going 12 and 1 is not bad. You feel what I'm saying? Okay, but wait, wait, wait. We are talking about Michael Thomas. So he's an every week starter for you anyway. You're getting a player that you're going to start every week. I would have kept the running back, but he didn't really get ripped off in any way here. He's got a great wide receiver he's going to start every week. Weekdays, 1 p.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Welcome back. Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the King, Scott Angle, getting you ready for week eight of the fantasy football season. I also want to let people know, Scotty, that, listen, baseball, World Series is going on, game three tonight, football is in full swing, hockey, we got college football going on, the NBA is also tipped off, and the NBA lineup optimizer is now available over at DailyRoto.com. It means you can use the same tools and projections that Daily Roto uses for their NFL premium subscribers, and you could use it to win in DFS and the NBA as well. You've heard a lot about Daily Roto, okay? You've heard about the $7 million winners they've produced on FanDuel and DraftKings. You've heard about our guy Colin Drew, who in back-to-back nights hit for $70,000 and $150,000. You've heard about all the winners out there. Let me tell you something. If you are playing DFS and you're not using the Daily Roto tools, you're doing it wrong. You're at a competitive disadvantage. So go on over to DailyRoto.com, click on the Go Premium tab, and enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount. That's DailyRoto.com, the Go Premium tab. Use the promo code FNTSY at DailyRoto.com, the site where millionaires are made, literally with the NBA tools, uh, Miker, 
11 turned $500 into $100,000 just last week. You could do it this week, but only if you go on over to DailyRoto.com. All right. We've got our guy, Dr. A, representing inside injuries on the line. We've got a lot of players this week. Listen, we got bye weeks. We've got injuries. They're making interesting decisions for owners. You know, you get painted into a corner. So what we need to do is, uh, you know, we need to see the outlook on some of these players. We bring in Dr. A, as usual, on a Friday here on Roto Experts in the Morning. How you doing, Doc? Uh, good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? We're good, Doc. Doing Always good all to hear right. from you. Yeah, doing all right. Let's get it going with uh, with this. I want to talk about these Green Bay Packers wide receivers, Doc. I mean, you know, the Packers had their bye, and I made the point earlier in the week that, you know, a lot of people dropped a guy like Geronimo Allison, right? He had the concussion. I believe he also had another injury, maybe the shoulder it was. And now it looks like he's back at practice. People may have dropped him, not only because of the injury, but because of the buys. We were recommending to pick a guy like Geronimo Allison back up because we expect him to be back on Sunday. They're probably going to need him and Randall Cobb against the Los Angeles Rams in a big-time NFC matchup. Doc, are Allison and Randall Cobb going to be back for Green Bay? Yeah, so Allison has a grade one hamstring injury. And if you guys remember, he had a concussion week four, and he appropriately um, you know, missed weeks five and six, which is good. I mean, you know, he, uh, that, that was sufficient amount of time. Our algorithm matched for that. And then this hamstring strain was two weeks in optimal recovery time. So we have him back. Uh, we had him back uh, at week eight, but, you know, that had the, uh, in terms of, I'm sorry, week seven, but that was the bye. So um, he should be ready to go. Right now he's at 17%, which is elevated, and he's at above average, but he's right on the edge of peak. So basically, you know, he'll be back by game time. He'll be back to peak health, um, and he'll be right on the border of elevated and low injury risk. So, you know, he's going to be probably the best that he can be. But he is going to be back at peak health, and, um, you know, he's just going to have a little bit elevated injury risk because he's already picked up uh, two injuries this year. Um, and so, you know, he'll, he'll be above, you know, he, he won't be at low injury risk. But so he's a guy probably, if you're looking for, you know, him to be at peak health, he will be at peak health to come back into the game. What about uh, Marlon Mack? Oh, really? uh, he came back. Are you uh, want me to talk about Randall Cobb there? Yeah, you got yeah, Cobb yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, let's stick yeah. to Green Bay together at the same time. What's up with yeah. Cobb? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he, his hamstring strain is a little more severe. I mean, it's a grade two, um, and so it's not just a minor tweak. Um, and, you know, obviously that is indicative because he hasn't played since week three. Um, you know, he, right now our, our uh, numbers and metrics are calculating exactly what the team is and on track to return week eight. You know, as you guys know, this is a guy that's had uh, a, ma- a large number of injuries. His player database for us is very big. Um, he plays through all these injuries, but, you know, un- unfortunately his numbers, whether if you're, like you said, if he's on the field and he's not playing well, it might as well be off the field because they won't be, he won't be any good to fantasy owners. So right now he's at 45% and he's at high injury risk and he's scheduled to come back to, um, you know, this week. So, you know, he is, he's like we had him before the season. He was at elevated injury risk and teetering below average, above average. He is going to be at 45%. Um, he is not a, a wide receiver that fantasy owners should really keep. What about uh, Marlon Mack? You know, came back from the hamstring injury, had two really good games, and now all of a sudden he's hurt again. Uh, I was talking yesterday about the ankle injury kind of concerned me. Any time with a running back is limited in practice with an ankle injury, you know, with a wheel, something like that. And then he was downgraded to a DNP yesterday. 
Yeah, so, um, you know, that's very, very precautionary. Running backs, ankle injuries, those are the ones that really hamper them. Um, and, um, you know, off-season, torn labrum. Uh, you know, for this specific injury, it's a two-week recovery time. We, we honestly think this is a very, very good decision by the Colts. Um, our healthy to return date is week nine, not week eight. So, um, you know, right now he's at 24%, one and a quarter injury risk, and he's at 46% below average. So it's like he's nowhere near close to being back. So I don't, I would not expect him to be back week eight. If he is, that's a very, very dangerous, uh, fantasy pick there. Um, you know, week nine is probably going to be the best he can be. But remember, when he comes back at week nine, his numbers will not go back to peak health. He'll probably, the best he'll probably do is 65 to 70% in, P, in HPF, and he'll probably still be elevated. And he was elevated even before this injury. So, you know, um, you know again, this is a guy that um, is going to be a sort of a higher risk, um, you know, higher reward guy if he, if he heals properly without any setbacks. Absolutely. We're talking with Dr. A here with Inside Injuries. That's what it comes down to all the time, right? This idea of like what level of risk tolerance you're willing to take with these players, even if they're not injured, just with their matchups, right? It's always a risk kind of game. That's the beauty of fantasy football. Let me ask you this, Doc. I was struck by, in your answer with uh, Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb, how it seems like the Green Bay Packers are, maybe they have a subscription to Inside Injuries, you know, because you're saying that they're, they're, they're kind of rehabbing their players in line with what your algorithms and formulas are saying. And I think that's interesting because I want to ask you about these other two guys where their teams are not following what inside injuries are saying, and it has bit them in their hind parts. I really see parallels, Doc, with Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette, right? Both teams, like with Jacksonville, they brought them back a little bit too soon, in our opinion, in your opinion, and they, and, you know, and they paid the price for it, and then he was out for a larger period of time. The same thing with Dalvin Cook. They maybe brought him back a little too soon in that Thursday night game against the Rams, and now they're saying this week that he may, in fact, be out until week 11. Is it um, is it smart for me to kind of make those situations analogous here and these teams, like, this is what can happen when you bring a running back back too soon for, as Scott said, something like a wheel? Talk to me about Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette, and if you think, you know, this time around, if they do hold out until week 11 or so, um, is that the best course of action for these teams? Well, uh, yes, I, I think they should all uh, get memberships at Inside Injuries, <laughs> and they should all follow our algorithms because it's proven to be correct. So, yes, right. no. So, Dalvin Cook, first of all, you know, um, uh, we originally projected him to have a grade two hamstring injury, um, and then he re-injured it uh, week four, and so now we, you know, that gets upgraded to a grade three hamstring. So uh, any, any football player with a grade three hamstring injury is not going to have, you know, it's a minimum of a six to eight week optimal recovery time minimum. And so right now, you know, his original projection, if they had not, uh, uh chanced it would have been week eight. Now it's going to be in our books right now, it says week 11. So, you know, nowhere near close to uh, sort of uh, where he needs to be. Leonard Fournette, we all know about him. He has a, he had a grade two hamstring injury. Um, but the good news is, is that um, that was week four. This is week eight. 
grade, uh, a grade two for a running back is four weeks. And so right now he is back at 81% at peak health. So he has rested for four weeks. That's good. That's a good sign that he didn't throw him out again, you know? Um, and so, you know, he's back in peak health at 81% and then 18% injury risk. He will likely be an elevated peak guy, a higher risk, high reward guy. And that's unfortunate because Leonard Fournette, you know, um, that hamstring injury is just going to be increasing his injury risk. But he's back at peak health, which is a great sign. What about LaShawn McCoy? Everybody's different with concussions, but he does have an extra day uh, to try to get back with the concussion. Yeah, um, you know, he had a concussion in 2012, and he missed four games with that one, much more severe concussion then. This is his second concussion. It happened in week seven. Um, you know, right now we have him coming back optimally week nine, so he should not play in this week's games. But, um, but you know, Scott, we've had him at 35% injury risk from the beginning of the year and last year, you know, and we, he, we've never had him close to above average. We had him at 41%. Last week, I mean, uh, before the season started, he, the most he got was 61% healthy. So it's just, you know, this is a guy that, you know, he'll come back from this concussion, but all of his metrics are pointing people to say stay away from LaShawn McCoy because at any given hit, any given time, he is the high, well, he's one of the highest risk running backs on our board right now. He's th- at 35% he's playing a game. I mean, that's unheard of. Wow, so make sure you keep that in mind, people, especially because the Buffalo Bills and LaShawn McCoy play on Monday Night Football, so you may have incomplete you know, updates on the injuries and may need to make some decisions, but it's obvious that Shady McCoy is a huge risk for fantasy owners this week coming up week eight. Let me ask you about someone else on Monday Night Football, a running back in that game, New England against Buffalo. I'm talking about Sony Michelle, Doc. I mean, listen, last week, and first of all, full disclaimer, full transparency, I own Sony Michelle in a lot of places, okay? So I need you to give me some good news on this one, Doc, all right? Because I'm very invested in Sony Michelle. Um, but when the injury happened, it looked gruesome. Okay, it looked like it was so much pain. It just caused Sony Michelle to just fumble and just drop the ball. Right. It looked like he got twisted. We know you know this as well as most um, doc, because you being down there in Georgia, you know, he's had a history of leg issues. He missed the beginning of the season with a knee scope. People were very worried about the knee. But after the MRI, it, the, the word was uh, that they, quote unquote, avoided structural damage. And they're thinking that it's not a long term thing. Can you tell me what does it mean to avoid? avoid structural damage if he did that what was the injury because it looked really bad at first yeah so i mean there's so much we can say about Sony michelle we were screaming from the hills in the off season and you know when he got drafted uh at inside injuries that we we love sony michelle but this is a guy that um will have a very it's very unlikely that he will go through a one nfl season without any significant injury he was elevated injury risk before the season started and it's week seven and he's got this pretty big knee injury no structural damage we've said this all the time this is a great catchphrase the patriots love to use this that does not mean that there's no injury that means that there is no massive tear Okay, there right. could be a significant sprain. There could be an intrasubstance tear, which would be a grade three injury, that, you know, a tear like within the confines of the tendon or ligament. We think that, you know, based on our best conjecture uh, with all of our algos, we think he has a grade two, three knee injury, which means that he pro- uh, looks like an, M- an MCL. 
Um, they're not saying exactly what it is. Um, you know, it could be an ACL or MCL sprain, but it's probably got a partial tear. We don't see him coming back until week 11, week 12, um, you know, if it is a grade two, grade three. So, um, but when he does come back, he will be only at above average and he will be at elevated injury risk. And it will be the same thing that we say before the season. Sony Michelle, great, great potential, but he is very, very injury prone. And so you cannot rely on him uh, in the beginning of the season or even now as your number one RB. I mean, you've got to have a solid backup because he is very, very injury prone. What about Cooper, Cooper Cup? It doesn't look like he's going to return this week. Yeah, another MCL sprain. It's it's a grade two, uh, week six, four week optimal recovery time. His HTR is week ten. So um, you know, but the good the good news is is that uh, I believe the Rams are on that right path. I don't I don't think that he's you know he's making progress, but you know I don't think he'll come back week nine. He'll come back week ten, and he should be able to improve his numbers. Right now, he's at twenty one percent risk and fifty three percent health. So. Um, you know, it should get, it should, he should be back up to peak health if he rests for another two weeks. All right. Well, there you have it, Dr. Ray. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us like you do on most Fridays. We really appreciate the insight. Hopefully fantasy owners can uh, follow your advice and maybe, you know, get out early on some of these players before it happens or understand when they should be coming back. It's good to see that maybe the Green Bay Packers listen to you guys, whereas it's obvious that Minnesota and Jacksonville do not. Have a great week, Dr. Ray. We'll talk to you again next Friday, all right? All right, guys. Have a great week. All right. There you have it. Hey, Scott, Dr. A, once again, giving us great insight. You know, this idea of kind of like how the Patriots always play semantics with people, right, that they avoided structural damage. It's interesting. He still is a little bit concerned about Sony Michelle. It sounds like uh, Dr. A considers Sony Michelle in the same vein as some of these other injury-prone running backs, like a Jay Ajayi, for example. He's giving you cause for pause. Um, oh, my God, the stereotype. Yeah, you know, but Michelle's injuries dating back to college, so it's no surprise. But, you know, now if you're hearing that he could be out till week 11 or 12, you know, something like that, you got to make plans for the interim because some people are hoping that maybe just misses week eight, and it looks like it could be longer than that. Yeah, it does look like it could be longer than that. So, so, so let me ask you this. Let's say the Patriots, like, if the Patriots don't make a move, you know, on the roster, and now that you've heard this news that it, you know, instead of a one-week thing, let's, uh, you know, I'm just spitballing here, right? But he said week 11 or 12, that's four weeks, right? And that gets you pretty much almost to your fantasy playoffs. Um, does that change your outlook, Scotty, on a guy like Kenyon Barner? No. Kenyon Barner's like 5'9", 185, journeyman type. It's... Kenyon Barner's not going to get any significant workload to the point where I'm going to want to start him on my, my fantasy team. He's not built for that. The Patriots right now don't have that type of running back on their roster that they can make anything near a featured ball carrier. This this whole Kenyon Barner thing is overblown, I think. You know, opportunity doesn't always lead to production. Some guys don't have this type of skill set. You know, last night in Roto Expert Slack Chat, you know, our premium Slack Chat, Somebody said to me, oh, yeah, I picked up Kenjin Barner because I want to have that early down guy, you know, uh, the, the featured ball carry for the Patriots. I'm like, he's neither of those. Right now, I think, you know, it's going to be a lot of James White and probably throwing the ball to guys like that to use the flat passing game as like an extension of the run. But to me, Kenjin Barner is like a secondary type of guy, 
like maybe Trent and Cannon would like be for the Jets right now. Okay, so if it's not Kenyon Barner, you, you're talking about things like the short passing game being used to, uh, you know, uh, replace kind of the opportunity or the role of the offense that maybe Sonny Michel did. So is that what? So who is that a bump for? Because there's some opportunity there. Is that more targets for a guy like Edelman and White out of the backfield? Like, who does stand to benefit here? Real quick. Uh, probably White with a little bit of a push. Okay. All right, fair enough. When we come back, Scotty here on Roto Experts in the morning, I want to bring back that kicker conversation real quick about Fireburn, and then we got to make our picks against the spread. Uh, Scotty, we uh, I'm slightly over 500. You need to get a uh, get on the hot streak, Scotty. We'll we'll do that starting now. When we come back, it's Roto Experts in the morning. Dane and Scott put the fun in functional sports radio. Come on right back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Popping them things right here on Roto Experts in the morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the King Scott Angle. We just got some great insights from Dr. A about the Packers wide receivers, Marlon Mack, some uh, banged up running backs that their teams may have not treated all that well and others hopefully that helps you win your leagues and win that cash. We're going to be making our picks against the spread in a moment, but first, Scott, I want to go back to something I mentioned before. You know, we talked about how big of an impact the offensive line has on an offense, right? We talked about how, listen, Deshaun Watson getting, didn't get sacked. He looks dynamic yet again, throwing five touchdowns. We talk about the offensive line is blocking. All of a sudden, Lamar Miller runs for 133 yards, but that, again, is combined with what looks like a bad Miami defense, especially in the back half. But we've talked about this as it relates to kickers. We talked about the conditions, right? Like a bad red zone offense maybe a team that is good in between the 20s but then stalls with a bad offensive line that was the scenario for Houston and I know you've been talking about Fairburn as a top three or a top five kicker but if those conditions change and the O-line does get their act together you know if Fairburn's kicking extra points and not field goals that changes the equation for him right yeah, it's possible. Uh, but, you know, last night, again, we can't judge everything by one game, but they played so much better in the red zone that right. they've, they, they've had previously. But, again, you can't count on Lamar Miller to do that all the time either. And, you know, he had a touchdown. He still got six points from Fairbairn last night. It's, uh, you know, it's not awful. Uh, you know, there was a floor there. And, you know, not every week they're not going to score just five touchdowns and there's going to be no field goal opportunities. So you can still be looking at him as a pretty dependable kicker with, like, you know, seven to ten points every week because this offense is going to move and they're going to sputter a little bit more. They're also, uh, at times, because, you know, they lost Will Fuller, they're not going to throw two passes to the tight end every week and they're not going to face the Miami defense every week. So, uh, you know, I don't think we can look at last night as a trend you know, maybe Fairbairn could drop a little bit, but I I can't see him moving now to say that outside of the top eight or something like that. He was the number three fantasy kicker overall coming into last night. Uh, you make a good point that, like, if teams can't finish at the goal line, 
that, uh, you know, you're going to get a lot of field goals. But I think Fairburn, you know, maybe he drops a little bit, but uh, maybe like more in somewhere in the middle than he was. Maybe he goes from number three to like number seven or eight at the position. But I can't see a total fall off based on one night of that. Okay, okay. that's fair. And listen, in the same vein, you got to look at one night versus the entire season, right? Deshaun Watson did not get sacked. Last night. But so far in our context for the 2018 NFL season, that is an outlier for the Texans and Deshaun Watson. He's been getting to hit the it most. Could also, it could also be a turning point, though. It's it could like, be. Right. And let's, that's remember, let's remember that six, five to six weeks ago, we were talking about Russell Wilson getting killed, right? Yep. And how bad the offensive line is playing. Right now, the, the tackle tandem of, of Dwayne Brown and Jermaine Fetty is ranked by ESPN as the fifth best tackle tandem in the entire NFL. The offensive line is getting higher grades. Uh, so sometimes things take time to gel. And, you know, maybe this is a turning point for the Texans, too, in terms of their pass blocking, but it's just one game. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's the thing. That's that's what I'm alerting everybody to, right? Like you said, it is just one game, right? So if it was just one game, then we'll see, right? But if it was a turning point, Scott, if it was a turning point, then not only does it mean stuff for guys like Lamar Miller, guys like Deshaun Watson, all I'm saying is that if it was a turning point and the offensive line gets their act together, there may be implications for the red zone offense and ultimately the kicking yes, game. Yes, it's something to be well. aware of but not buy into, just you know, something right. to watch and monitor. Absolutely, because it was just one game against a defense who, uh, you know, it may have been due to just as bad defense instead of that. So defense we'll that caused a broken tablet. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, absolutely. We saw him throwing it on the sideline. So, but just to put there on the radar that if the offensive line is improved in Houston, it could mean a lot of things for the Texans and for some individual players as it relates to fantasy. All right, Scott, we got about 10 minutes left. Let's make our picks um, for the week. Just to catch everybody up, me – Mike Blewett and the King Scott Angle. We're doing picks against the either against the spread or totals. We're picking three games for you every week because we're hopeful that if we go two and one each week, you know that's that's uh you know hey that's sixty six percent right. But then you're winning a little bit of extra cash every week if you're listening to us. Unfortunately, though, Scott, we're not helping the listeners out that much. Here's what I'll say. I am above 500, all right? I'm 11, but not tremendously. I'm 11 and 10, so no great shakes, all right? The problem is that at 11 and 10, Scott, I'm, I'm, I'm in first place out of our little picks contest, okay? Mike Blewett is, uh, had a push in week six, but he is 9, 11, and 1, so he can get right back to above 500 with a good week. You, my friend, um, have a little bit deeper of a hole. You're a few games back, but that's okay. We ain't mad at that. We're not making fun of that. There's plenty of season left, and we could turn it around starting right now in week eight. Let's start with the survivor pick, Scott. I was telling people, first of all, yesterday that I believe that the Houston Texans were a viable uh, knockout pick because they were on a hot streak. They were the home team on Thursday night. I didn't believe in the depleted Miami Dolphins. So I did give out the Texans as a viable survivor pick. Scott, I'm in a big-time uh, survivor pool where the winnings is going to be, uh, you know, I think it's like $6,000. So I'm really excited about that. There are 36 people still left. I am two of those 
those entries. So I got a 2-36 and 36 shot right now uh, with one of those entries. I did pick the Houston Texans, so I'm already clear on one entry. The other entry, I picked the one that I'm going to give out here, and unfortunately I'm picking against my J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I think the Chicago Bears win this week at home, Scotty. I mean, <clears throat> one of the things about Sam Darnold, was that he turns the ball over. And we're starting to see that a little bit in the last couple of weeks. And if the Bears can get some turnovers, I know Khalil Mack is not maybe 100%, but I think he's going to get some pressure. I think, uh, you know, the Jets at this point, I like what I've seen at home, but I don't know that that offense is good enough to go on the road against what people still believe is a relatively good defense and get the win. Mitch Trubisky and that offense is building. I think the Bears win at home against the Jets. The Bears are my survivor pick. Yeah, I, I had them written down as the same. Uh, you know, I just can't see the Jets going on into Chicago yeah. as hot as Chicago is and, and winning. And, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky with three consecutive 300-yard games, 11 touchdown passes during that span, and the Jets are banged up in the secondary. So yeah. uh, you talk about defense, you know, the Chicago offense is going to overmatch the Jets' defense. Yeah, so you're on the Bears too for Survivor? Yep. All right, let me ask you, though, we'll make our picks, you know, but the spread, though, in that game is now up to eight. Um, would you lay the points as well in that one? I know I'm not asking you to make that an official pick per se, but, you know, we both believe the Bears are going to win, but you think they win by eight? I think the Jets always come to play, even yeah. though they're shorthanded, uh, I think, in the secondary and just don't have – I just don't think they're as good a team as the Bears are, right. but uh, I'll, I'll think the Jets will do the backdoor. All right, uh, the back door could be open up there at Soldier Field. All right, so uh, I got a couple picks I want to make. The first one I'm going to make, Scotty, as I look at the lines, give me the Philadelphia Eagles minus three and a half against Jacksonville. Listen, I think these teams are, um, you know, going into the season, people had very high expectations for these teams. These teams are both under 500. I think the quote-unquote business trip across the pond is going to be a bigger benefit for Philadelphia than it is for Jacksonville. Listen, Jacksonville right now to me is in disarray. You know, Cody Kessler is getting first-team reps. Blake Bortles is on a quote-unquote short leash. They still don't know at running back. Listen, there's going to be no Leonard Fournette. Hyde may be active, but still new to the team. I think Philadelphia uses this opportunity to get right. I think this is a decent Zach Ertz game because guys like Jalen Ramsey and the, and the crew, even though A.J. Bouye is in a walking boot, I could see Ramsey shutting down Alshon Jeffrey a little bit. I think this is a Zach Ertz game. I think Philadelphia uses this opportunity to get right. I don't think Jacksonville scores many points. I can see Philly um, winning this one definitely by more than a field goal. I like Philly. And also, you get the minus three and a half. It, it, it's almost like the line thinks this game is actually in Jacksonville. It's in London. Okay, and I know that they're the adopted kind of team, but uh, give me Philly minus three and a half against Jacksonville this week. What's your uh, first pick? Yeah, I did consider that, and I think the Eagles are going to win, but I don't think they're just yep. going to walk over Jacksonville. Everybody's talking about Jacksonville. You think it could be a field goal Like game? you are, and you know, a lot of times when a team you know, hears that kind of talk, that's when they band yeah. together in a game like this, and they play better than people expect. And So I think this is going to be a spirited game, and it's going to be close. Mm. But, I, but I, I like Philadelphia to win this. I just think they're the better team. But uh, you know, give, me the, give me the Cleveland Browns plus eight. I don't think they're going to win at Pittsburgh, but this is going to be a very, very competitive divisional game. Uh, you know, the Browns are not they ready to contend. They tied the last time they played. <laughs> yeah, the, the Browns are not ready to contend, but they're, they're, they're already competitive. Uh, I, I think it's too big of a spread. 
I see. Yeah, more than a touchdown is interesting. I can see the back door being open. I can see it being a touchdown back and forth kind of game at Heinz Field. Quick question, though, back on that Jacksonville. You said, like, these kind of things get a team to bond together. My question, though, Scotty, I mean, like, we're hearing quotes. We're hearing we're seeing literal fights in the locker room. We're hearing comments of literally offense versus kind of defense. That doesn't sound like a team that's bonding together or you think the experience. No, they're, travel... they're falling apart. They're falling right. apart, but they need to. But they need to fix it. They okay. need to fix it. They're just they're not going to let it just continue. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I hear you. Um, so, listen, Jacksonville looks in disarray to me. Another team that's in disarray to me is the Oakland Raiders. Because of that, we've talked about the Indianapolis Colts as a stream. I've talked to you about an Indianapolis Colts stack that I was looking at with Andrew Luck and maybe Chester Rogers or Eric Ebron, even with Jack Doyle coming back. For me, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. All signs indicate to me that I think the Raiders are in trouble. I am going against my home dog kind of thing. I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts minus three and a half on the road in Oakland. Listen, I just think that Andrew Luck puts up points against anybody. He's had four touchdown passes in something like three of the last four games. And I just think that Oakland right now is in disarray. They don't trust their coach. They're obviously tanking. I think it's a problem over there in Oakland. Give me the Colts minus three and a half. Yeah, that's one of my picks too. It's uh, Look, Oakland can... You know, take the same approach like Jacksonville, but they just don't have that. They they don't have enough talent at all. I you know they, right. they, so they, we're both they, on they, the same they, side they, of that. Been, yeah, they they've been stripped bare, and there's just no way they stop Andrew Luck. Exactly, it almost looks. And remember, we have a team here in Oakland that we are talking about as like pretty much tanking. Right, you know, trading their assets, trading their best players away for, uh, you know, draft picks for the future. So it's not like they, it doesn't look like it, at least in the front office or at least Gruden, the head coach, doesn't have many designs on winning right now. So give me Indianapolis. I'm glad we're on the same side of that one. For my, so we have the same survivor pick, Scott. We're both on Indianapolis. I like your Cleveland pick. You like my Philly pick. Let's see if we seem to feel the same way on my third pick. My third pick. I'm looking at a non-conference game, and I think those are always interesting and with an unfamiliar opponent. And listen, the Cincinnati Bengals, when they step up in class, uh, kind of always defecate the mattress. We see what Andy Dalton does in primetime games and those sorts of things. But I think with the Tampa Bay Bucks coming to town, he's going to be able to attack that defense. I still think the Bengals have something to play for. They still are in contention in the AFC North. I think they are a better team than Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay changed their defensive coordinator and played a little bit better on defense. But I still think that with a total in at 54, people think that Cincinnati is going to be able to score, and so do I. I think they win this game, and I think they win it by a touchdown. I like Cincinnati minus four and a half at home against Tampa. Yeah, now you now you went and done it. As soon as you talk up an Andy Dalton scenario, that's yeah, I know, when, and that's, that's what always happens. But it's not a primetime game. It's not Sunday night. It's not anything like that. It's not a high leverage game. These are the kind of games that build the sure. narrative that Andy Dalton is the guy. And then, like in two weeks, when they have a big game against like Pittsburgh or something, that's when he'll defecate the mattress. All right, uh, my other pick is uh, Seattle and Detroit. Uh, hmm. The over-under is 49, and I'm taking the under, and I'll tell you why. This is going to be a physical, maybe the most physical game of the week uh, and low scoring, I believe. The Seahawks, they throw the ball less than anybody than anybody else, which is very interesting that, you know, it's all about efficiency. You, know, you talk about Russell Wilson not being a good fantasy quarterback. From an NFL perspective, his attempts are low, and he still has three touchdown passes in each of the last two games. 
you know, but this is what they wanted to go back to be being that, uh, you know, the, what they, they, they were, you know, early in the, early in their Super Bowl era, you know, I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl team, but I'm saying that, you know, they want to go back to being a running team and that's what they are now and having their quarterback be efficient. So, and their defense is number two in the NFL right now. And then you look at Detroit, Detroit wants to get more physical. Matthew Stafford is not slinging the ball over the yard like he used to. And, you know, they, they got Damon Harrison now to be more physical on defense. So I'm taking the under in Seattle, Detroit. Yeah, and don't forget, uh, the Detroit Lions this week traded for Damon Hack Snacks Harrison also. Yeah, I just said so that, if yeah. The, yeah, and, you know, so if the Seattle Seahawks, I'm sorry, I had my man I was going to tell you about it in a hot second. Um, you know, so if Seattle's trying to run, I think their balance was something like 57-43, right? Running the ball almost the most in the league. So that can complicate things. I think you're interesting. You got two teams that want to be physical in an NFC matchup. So the King, Scott Angle, is going for the under on that one, which is interesting. Last thing I wanted to say, Scotty, in our Greenwich Street Tavern League, I'm having a little bit of fun of our, you know, our guy Jim Ross, who's a friend of the network, you know, always chiming in yeah. on chat rooms and things of that nature, right? Well, he's killing it. In our Greenwich Street Tavern League, he is the only undefeated team still left. I know you're right behind him in the standings in that division. I'm playing him this week, okay? I'm playing Jimbo Slice this week, and I had him on Fantasy Freestyle last night. I told him if he called in, he could make a sit-start decision for me uh, for uh, my, like, my flex play, where I had guys like Taylor Gabriel or Doug Baldwin. You know, I was deciding between guys, and he helped me set my lineup against him. But then I noticed, you know what he did? He decided to bench his normal defense, which is Philadelphia, which I think has a decent matchup because we don't like Jacksonville. You know who he put in his place, Scotty? Who's that? The Miami defense. Oh, interesting. So not a, you know, that not, not a and good so you pick. know how many points he got out of that? You know how many points he got out of that last night? How's that? Yeah. Zero. He got zero. zero. He got zero points last night. So I'm going up against the number one team right now, a 7-0 and team, a team that's ahead of you in your division. So you need me to get a W this week, Scotty, to help you out a little bit. And uh, we're off to a good start. JR, Jim Ross, had a zero in his defense. And I must admit, Scott, when you were talking about your underpick there for uh, Seattle and Detroit, the reason I missed that Snacks Harrison point is because Jim Ross had uh, – just tweeted at me and he was like, Miami D, I'm off to like I'm off to a great start. <laughs> you know, so I was like, Yeah, at that but a you know what? Bit. Like I always say, it's 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 you know, it's one pick and one it, sure, it's, it's one lineup spot in one game. It's fun. You know, Absolutely. my my, my defense scored zero last week in one of my leagues and I still scored a hundred hundred and sixty points. So Absolutely, you know, the rest I'm not of your, saying it can blow up. I was certainly not yeah. saying it's done. Yeah. I am saying uh, you know, it's off to a good start. I'll say that, but it's certainly not done. We'll see what happens in that matchup. Hey, Scotty, I hope you win your weeks. We'll talk about it on Thank Monday. You. We'll break down everything that happened week eight. Have a great, uh, have a great day. Have a great weekend, Scott. And have a great day. Have a great weekend, fantasy players. We out. FST with me and Mike Blewett up next.